What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, to come as God's people, to hear from the Lord as he speaks to us, as we praise him, as we worship him. And I know that you uh, want to join with me in just thanking the Lord for these incredible singers, musicians that have helped us enter into the God's throne of grace today. And we are so grateful for each of you. It's always a joy to be here at Wallace and uh, thankful for the cool Tennessee morning. Uh, it was 89 degrees the other day in Florida, and uh, we're already in midsummer there. And uh, it's good to have the cool weather again and to experience that and to have time to be with John and his family. And uh, so thankful for uh, how God is using him here and the entire team at Wallace. And just we keep up with everything you're doing. Uh, we are so thankful for God's hand upon this church and its incredible heart of mission to make a difference not only in Knoxville but across Tennessee, across the nation and to the nations declaring the goodness of the Lord. So it's a privilege to be with you today. I ask you to open the Word of God to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. going to be reading one verse, and if you're able, I would invite you to stand in honor of God's precious Word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us, God's people gathered together, let us, therefore, come boldly, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Father, we pray your blessings upon your word today. May we hear what the Spirit is saying into our lives. May we be faithful to respond in obedience unto you. But we pray that this will be a day that we will, us, that we will come together your throne of grace there cry out for mercy there experience your grace in our time of need lord may we be transparent may we be vulnerable even before you today and confess our sin confess our need and commit our lives to be fully devoted followers of the lord jesus christ in whose wonderful and holy name we pray amen thank you, you may be seated the lord is right here he is faithful he is an on-time Lord. He never fails us. He meets with us today. The scriptures boldly and clearly affirm that he is with us. And he is for us. What a mighty God we serve. The Bible reveals strongly that Jesus Christ sets the captive free. That Jesus Christ breaks the bondage of sin. That Jesus Christ heals the brokenhearted. That Jesus grants liberty to the oppressed. That Christ freely gives salvation to all who believe. He is the life giver, the life changer, the promise keeper, the chain breaker, the way maker. And he calls us unto himself. The people of God are deeply blessed that he is all that we need. And we can trust him because he leans into our lives and calls us to lean into him. The early church understood this and they boldly came before the Lord. 
uh, glimpse into the early church in Acts 4, 31 gives us that understanding. Just like we have come together today, the early church came together. They did not forsake the assembling of the saints. They understood the need for fellowship with one another, but more importantly, to hear together a word from God. And in Acts 4.31, the scriptures teaches us, and when they had prayed, they came boldly to the throne of grace. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together. Now let's be reminded that it wasn't some beautiful sanctuary with all of the things that we enjoy today. They didn't have padded seats. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have sound system. They didn't have all these wonderful things that we just take for granted. They were in house churches and they came together. The place where they were assembled together when they had prayed was shaken. It was shaken. You see, the reason that oftentimes the church today fails to experience the power and the presence of God is because we want to depend upon everything external, but the early church understood that they had to depend upon everything that was internal and what Christ and Christ alone could do. And so when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. No wasted words. No wasted breath. Falling before the Lord. Coming boldly to the throne of grace. And this morning we have read from the authority of God's word. And in this one verse we see an invitation to pray and the intention that is found in prayer. So place your life today, place your very place where you are this morning in the midst of the Scripture, in the midst of God's Word, what we have heard from the Scripture. And as you place your life against the Word of God today, in the midst of the Word of God today, what is on your heart? What is weighing heavy upon your life? What struggles are you facing? What need has you stifled? What decision today do you need to make? What crisis are you going through? What overwhelming circumstance are you encountering? What is consuming you like a fire? What battle are you fighting? What is pushing you today to give up? What sin is tempting you? What sin is defeating you? What are you trying to handle in the flesh? What entanglement are you in the midst of? What's holding you back or what is draining your life? Come boldly, 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 for God and God alone is able to move the mountains that are found within your life. Not my will, but thy will be done. And so today, as we come and we met, gather together, I urge you to hear and to heed this invitation to and this intention in prayer. 
So let's move into the scripture at this time. The invitation to pray. That sounds so fundamental. It sounds so elementary. But yet it is the very key to a vibrant life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the very key to a revived life in the Lord. It's the very key to a church being on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ or a church simply smoldering and going through the motions of what we ought to be doing for the Lord. Hear this invitation to prayer. Let us, let us, therefore, therefore, I mean, don't delay, don't hesitate, don't wait, don't, don't in any way hold back. Let us, therefore, immediately come boldly to the throne of grace. Man, that's open. An open call. An open altar. An open invitation. Anytime, any place, and anywhere. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. I have the privilege of serving Florida Baptist churches. We have about 2,900 churches across the state of Florida. There are over 21 million people who live in Florida. There are 300,000 people per year moving into our state. We are a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multilingual state. One size doesn't fit all in the state of Florida. People come there to go to the beaches. They come there to go to theme parks. We have, we have over, over 100 million visitors per year within our state. And we thank you for coming because it helps our taxes tremendously. But yet in the midst of this are people. People. God has brought the nations unto us. And we recognize this moment in time. And how do you even begin to wrap your mind around trying to have a strategy, a unified way that churches can come together boldly to make a difference in that kind of environment? So about a year ago, we called upon our churches, people who are part of our congregations, all across the Panhandle, down the peninsula, to set aside one day a month, recurring every month, that you would fast and pray. Pray specifically for the churches in Florida. To pray for your church, to pray for your life, to pray for your city. And we have a very clear pathway of prayer. And so every day, every day in the state of Florida, there are hundreds of people who are fasting and praying. You know, so often the disciples came to Jesus with the question of why. Why could we not do this? Why, do we not, why are we not seeing this happen? And Jesus said time and time again, this only comes as a result of what? Prayer and fasting. And so we've called our churches to prayer and fasting. As a matter of fact, today is my day. And, and I got a prayer prompt yesterday, and I, I looked through it, and it's all the churches in southeast Florida, 900 churches there in a tri-county area. And these are churches that, that I just was able to scroll through and pray specifically for them, that today God's power would fall upon them, and it would be a day unlike any other day they've ever experienced in the Lord. And God is moving in the midst of this time and season of prayer among our churches. As a matter of fact, 
Florida Baptist churches last year led the entire Southern Baptist Convention in planting churches. Seventy-four new churches were planted in the state of Florida last year by our churches. And we praise God for that. Florida Baptist churches led the entire Southern Baptist Convention in baptisms last year. 12% of all the baptisms reported by the entire Southern Baptist Convention came through Florida Baptist churches. Now, we're not doing that to get a plaque or an award or some kind of pat on the back. It's all to the glory of the Lord. But I'm telling you this today because it's not about a strategy. It's not about this or about that. It's because God's people are on their face before God, and they're praying, and they're fasting, and God is doing great things in the midst of his people. Let us, therefore, come boldly. Hebrews interprets the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, through the lens of Jesus Christ. And in the section that we are in, in this reading today, it is talking about the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. He is our righteous judge. He is our advocate with the Father. Now, while we pray for one another, and we pray with one another, and we need to do that according to Scripture, but you, you, let us, you, you have a crucified, buried, resurrected, ascending, returning Savior who brings your prayers to the Father. You do not need an earthly priest to articulate your prayers to God. You have a heavenly and eternal priest, Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, theology is important. Doctrine is important when it comes to understanding why we pray. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament in every way. You read through the entirety of the Old Testament, and then you move to the New Testament, and there you see the fulfillment and the fruition of the Old Testament in the person of Jesus Christ the Lord. He is the fulfillment of the covenant, of the tabernacle, of the sanctuary, of the judge, of the sacrifice, of the law, of the prophet, of the king. He is the fulfillment of the priest. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three, yet one, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, 100% God, 100% man. Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the perfect, sinless Son of God. He is Christ, ascended to heaven, and he is at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you. That's important for us to know and to understand. He writes our name in the book of life through his blood. He speaks your name across the portals of glory. He is our high priest. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That's an invitation not from man, but from our Savior. That is what the Lord ask of us to trust him, to believe in him, to yield to him, to submit to him, to follow him in every area 
of our life. As a matter of fact, if you look at the two preceding verses, verses 14 and 15, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Oh, our high priest, Jesus Christ the Lord, he knows your name. He knows your shame. And he knows your pain because he took it all upon himself. The just for the unjust that we might become the righteousness of God through him. This Savior is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. No person has access to the eternal riches of the Heavenly Father except through Jesus Christ the Lord. He is our sacrifice. He is our substitute. He is our salvation. He is King of the King and Lord of Lords. And it is Christ, it is Christ who is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. So he says, come boldly. Come boldly. Sometimes we don't even come timidly. Prayer is an afterthought. Our prayer is something that we pull out when things are tough. And we say, God, I need you now. The prayer becomes something that, that is almost like a, a toy, a trinket that, 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 that's in our, our, our spiritual chest. And, 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 and that it, I think it'll work, so I'm going to use it now. But yet we are to make prayer praying without ceasing. Prayer is to be inhale and exhale of our lives in Christ every day. Come boldly, conceal nothing, pass over nothing, with full faith, with total trust, with humility and vulnerability. Come boldly, let us, to the throne of grace. I had the privilege of about 20 years serving as pastor of First Baptist Church of Brandon, Florida, and over those seasons of ministry there, you encounter all kind of cultural things that are happening that impact your community. And we had this adult entertainment venue that was coming to open out in our little area, our city. They had bought a corner lot, and on the opposite corner was a Chick-fil-A, a Home Depot, across the street was a Lowe's, and here was a, a 7-Eleven. And then there was going to be this adult entertainment building and business right here. Kind of the strange bringing together world, isn't it? And so we, along with other churches, began speaking up, taking our stand against this. Oh, it became major, legal, everything. Unbelievable. Just unleashed the very pit of hell against all of us. We took our stand. We appeared before county commissioners we did everything we could do so one Sunday I'm preaching we had multiple services and following one of the services the deacon came and grabbed me and said pastor you got to come you got to come you got to come and I'm like oh my goodness what's happened here I'm thinking there's been some kind of you know medical emergency maybe a toilet's broken I'm supposed to fix it I mean I wasn't sure what he had in mind and he walked me outside the building 
and the sidewalks surrounding our church were covered with people carrying signs and they were protesting against the church. What if this morning when you drove in, all down this road and those roads and those around you would have been people standing there shouting at you when you pulled into the parking lot, saying all kind of things about you because you're here at this church today. You know, they don't, they don't coach you up in seminary about these kind of things. And, and so what do you do in those moments? Well, our position was this. God loves the people out there as much as he loves us. And, and, and we've got to show them the love of Christ this moment. Obviously, we're in very different places. I mean, here standing out here was a guy who is the kingpin of adult entertainment in, in Central Florida, a multi-gazillionaire. And, and, and this guy, I mean, he, 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 he is just, he's just saying all kind of things about me and about who we are. And so we just kept loving and loving and loving. Senior adult ladies would invite the strippers that were out on the sidewalk to come to church. Good. Put on some more clothes, maybe before you come in. Um, I mean, you, you just can't imagine what this looked like. Went on for many weeks. Finally, they won the battle. They didn't win the war. But the business opened. And there it was on the corner: Chick Fil A, Home Depot, Lowe's, Seven Eleven. Moms and dads would pull up to that intersection, a major intersection their SUVs and their, and their minivans and their cars and children in the back seat would look over and the signage on this building was quite a bit different than the signage of all the rest of the building and they would ask what's going on well, what is this the parents were very honest with their children they said this is a place where women are treated wrong they demean they value they just discarded they talked about human sex trafficking and all that that meant. And I started getting parents tell me, man, our kids, every time we come up there, they pray. They want to pray for the ladies that are in those buildings. And other pastors were telling me the same story. Children were praying. And what happened was this. Less than one year, less than one year after this building and business opened, with all of the cash resources that they needed to stay open, the business shut down and it closed. It was not because of the adults and our wisdom standing before government and doing this and doing that. It was because there were some precious children sitting in the back seat of cars that began praying because they had a passion and a heart and concern for the ladies. God moves through prayer. God works through prayer. Heavenly Father, through His Son, invites you. Let us therefore come boldly. Let's pray. So there is that instruction. We can plaster revival every sign we want to put it on. We can talk about all kind of bold plans and ideas and things for the future. It is not undergirded in prayer. It is not birthed in prayer. 
If we're not coming boldly to the throne of God, it becomes of man and not of God. There's an invitation to prayer. But then there's also the intention to prayer. The intention is that we, let us, that we. Isn't that a beautiful transition? I mean, I mean the Lord inspires this word. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we, in order that we. I mean, it's just like, this is the end result. This is what God will do. This is his intention for me, his intention for you, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We sing that beautiful song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. We sing that. You know, if it weren't for mercy, we'd never see grace. Oh, give me a, a mercy song. <laughs> we sang one this morning. I mean, these, are, these are unbelievable bookends around our life spiritually. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. It's like a one-two punch. I mean, it's powerful. And when we experience his mercy in our time of need, his grace flows strongly and powerfully over all the things of our life. Because God sees. God sees. And God cares. God responds. God sees. No one else around you can see. God knows. Oh, you wish others knew, but God knows. God cares. He cares today. So exactly where you are in this moment, mercy and grace. You see, the priesthood of the believer grows out of what the scripture is teaching us. That every believer has direct and immediate access to God. Now, we can hinder the Spirit of God, we can quench the Spirit of God, we can stifle the Spirit of God, we can be disobedient to the Spirit of God, we can disregard the presence of God, we can do all of those things, but yet that's not the intent that God has for us. He is saying, come boldly, let us, that we may obtain mercy and grace. You can pray as a believer. Anytime, any place, anywhere, anything, you can seek the Lord. And when you are unable to say what needs to be said, when, when what you're facing in your life, you cannot even begin to articulate what is going on. It just seems so larger, so massive, so overwhelming that, that you just grow silent. And when you grow silent, heaven roars on your behalf. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says to us, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. There are just times that, that I don't have the words. I can't even, I can't even put it into, in, in, into order. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
we receive grace because of mercy. Just beautiful verses. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Mercy upon mercy. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mercy upon mercy. And then there's grace upon grace. In John 1, 16 and 17, Jesus teaches of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. When? Help in our time of need. The Lord doesn't pull away from us. The Lord doesn't quit on us. He, he doesn't give up on us because he sees, he knows, and he cares. And it's often in our most broken and weakened place that we understand it the most. This day came for me on January the 23rd of 2021. Standing in an ICU unit, a COVID ICU unit, fully masked, covered, traveled because my dad is on the other side of a glass wall and the protocols of the hospital let me come and stand right there. I couldn't touch, I couldn't reach him, I couldn't hug him. hear my voice. I couldn't just sit there and hold his hand. He was isolated because he had COVID pneumonia. His infiltrates had pretty much destroyed his lungs and he was on a BiPAP and all I could do was stand there and listen. The events that led up to this were difficult hero of your life going through some hard times and you want to be able to make it right. My dad lived at home by himself after my mom passed away from an extended illness of Alzheimer's. He was legally blind, had macular degeneration, but yet with the help of a reading machine, he would get up early every morning, spend time praying read through his Bible every year. Miraculous. Had substantive conversations with him every day. I would call him. We would talk for extended periods of time. It wasn't just how you doing, how the kids. I mean, no, it, it, was, it was deep conversation about life and his conversation. So I'm preaching in a church in Florida. I get a call to say something's wrong with your dad because they're at the assisted living where he now was found because he had fallen and they needed to have him in a place where, where he could have care and he was thriving, doing extremely well. And when, and when the pandemic hit, they, they shut off people from coming into the facility and then ultimately they quarantined people within the facility 
And even with all those precautions, my dad contracted COVID. And when that phone call came, he was lying in his bed, and he was talking, but it was incoherent in terms of the reality of where he was. So they took him to the hospital, and they admitted him. By the time we arrived there, this is where I'm now standing and looking in on him. We've all been in those kind of moments. It's not easy, is it? When your world is just crashing and crumbling before your very eyes. The pandemic isolated us from society, kept from it, kept us from being people who could express our emotions and thoughts. I mean, people were suffering and going through things like that. So this physician came and he said, the bypass has reached its max level. We need to remove it because it's now working against him. And the next step is a ventilator. My dad had advanced directives, no ventilator. And so now we knew exactly where we stood. And so on a Saturday morning, January 23rd, these angels of God, and they were doctors and nurses and all the respiratory therapists and technicians. I mean, we need to thank those people because they stood in a gap that we could not stand in for hours with our own family members. I stood there and I watched them remove the BiPAP. My dad didn't even move. And now it's just standing and watching monitors begin to cycle back and forth. My prayer initially was, God, you can do all things. Man, heal my dad. Get him up out of that bed. Let's get him out of here. Get him back. That was my prayer. That was my wish. By now, I'm just thanking God. My dad loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and body, and strength. That he's going to open his eyes in the presence of Jesus and be absent from the body be present with the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. It was a wonderful sight that he came to see. And my prayer over those next few hours was just more for mercy music plays over the speaker system kind of shocking it's a birthing hospital and a baby's been born so here's life and death and you're just kind of thinking about those things you know a child is born every eight seconds in America and someone dies every 10 to 11 seconds in America. We're always in the midst of life and death. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why we must be on mission telling people about Jesus Christ. So it was about 30 minutes to an hour past. Did it again. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, wow, what a moment here. And then everything cycled down. They removed everything off my dad. The doctor came out, hugged my neck, and he said, we want you to know we're so sorry. We did everything we could do for your father. And I thanked them because they had. Told them how appreciative we were of them. But what went through my head at that moment was this. <laughs> Why don't they play the music right now? Because my dad, he isn't dead. He's alive. He's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's received the end result of his faith, the salvation of his soul. And the Lord just flooded mercy and grace over me. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in our time. In a moment, we're going to begin a time of response and invitation. And I want you this morning, as the Spirit would lead you, to know it is us, <laughs> us. Therefore, this is the time, immediate, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. See, there's some of you who need to come boldly today because you're just carrying some heavy burdens and weights. And yes, we pray to the Lord, and the Spirit prays and we can't even say, but you want someone to pray with you and for you. And there are going to be pastors who are here, and I know some of you are way up in the balcony, some of you are way in the back. It's easy to say, man, the time I get down there, no, 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 no. Come boldly, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. Come, come boldly. Those here today that are going through things in their personal life and you're trying to hold on to it and figure it out yourself. You're trying to, you're trying to resolve spiritual matters with, with, with the flesh. Come to this altar today. Cry out to the Lord. He is here to obtain help in time of need, mercy, grace. Until you come boldly. Some here today, you're going through sickness and illness. We're going to ask you to come this morning because we believe God heals. We don't know what that means fully. We even know how that's going to go fully. But I want to put my faith, my trust, my life fully in his hands in everything. And today you may have received this past week news about your health. You may be going through a season of struggle of health. You may have a son or a daughter or a husband or wife. You may have your best friend. And you want to come praying boldly for them today, for God's hand upon their life, that they would know mercy, they would know grace in their time of need, that they would find help that only comes from the Lord. Come boldly today. Come. And we want to fill this front up, crying out the place where we are assembled together. I believe that God will shake it today if we will come boldly, come boldly unto him. This morning, you want to come pray for your family, your family. I pray for our three sons. I pray for our daughter-in-laws. I pray for our grandchildren today. Bold. I pray for my brother today. I pray for my sister today. Come boldly praying for your family. Praying that God would just move in their life. God would protect. God would provide. Come boldly today. Come boldly. We said today about revival. When's the last time we prayed? God revive us. God revive our church. Lord, do something. None of us can say, look what we did. But all we can do is just give glory and praise and honor unto you because you and you alone in a supernatural, miraculous, and divine way moved in the hearts of people. And we're no longer the same. Come boldly. Come boldly confessing sin today. Come boldly confessing 
anything that stands between you and a right relationship with God and with others today. And then there are those who are here who have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, well, I'm not a believer. So that verse doesn't fit me, does it? Let me tell you what the scriptures say about coming boldly. <laughs> Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So you come boldly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You come boldly because you have a Savior who boldly gave his life for you. And he did everything that needed to be done for you. And he is calling you unto himself today. Come boldly to his throne of grace. <laughs> that you may obtain mercy and grace for help in your time of need, your time of salvation. Come today. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, on this Sunday, May the 15th, may the word boldly be that which flows over this revival setting. Lord, I know that already, well, I don't really need to go forward. He said that I can pray to you, you're at the throne of grace. Absolutely. <laughs> no one disputes or denies that. But when the family of God moves together, God moves within the family. When the family of God cries out together, God moves among us. So I pray, Lord, even now, that from the top of this room down to the bottom, Lord, that people would make their way down to this altar, even now, begin moving, just crying out, coming boldly, coming boldly, coming boldly, trusting what this passage says. And, Father, if there are those who are sick, may they come, that people can pray for them. If there are those who are sin-sick, may they come, and repentance, may they come, and salvation. If there are those who are struggling, Lord, may they come today. If there's family needs, Lord, whatever that is, Lord, come boldly. Lord, may we come boldly to you. May we come to this altar. If we can kneel, we will kneel. If we stand, we will stand. But just to come. That step of faith to say, Lord, I, I surrender it all to you, Lord. I place it all before you today, Lord. I hold nothing back. In this time of need, Lord, I trust you and your word. And Lord, I will do what you have asked me to do. So today, Lord, I come boldly. Father, I pray as pastors gather here at this altar, as individuals come, Lord, that this will be one of the greatest moments we've ever experienced in our individual lives, in the life of this fellowship. Lord, as a result of your teaching through your word, that we will be changed by your grace and mercy. And we pray that now in Jesus' name.